0: All right, I have the uh, privilege of reading our scripture this morning. It's found in Second Peter chapter 1, verses one through four. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. Amen.
1: Thanks, Jim. <clears throat> Good morning. Thank you so much. You've been very kind and, uh, and generous to uh, me and Lisa always. Thank you for helping us celebrate uh, this milestone in our life. And it was a uh, throwback immediately when I saw those pictures in the cafe of our wedding day. I was like, well, I haven't actually seen those in a little while. I had hair and... Um, <laughs> But that was a great... Thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping us celebrate. Appreciate um, you honoring, honoring us in that way. Thank you. And I was just commenting to someone recently that when, when I was young younger um, and we'd sing songs about God's faithfulness, I would sing them with a lot of energy because I just trusted God is faithful. But when you're young, you sing that kind of thing by faith. But now after life has passed and gone and I'm through the ups and downs and all of the years, I still have more to go, but I've been through some stuff. Now when I sing about the faithfulness of God, it's completely different because you see and have experienced and you know his faithfulness. And being married to Lisa for 40 years is the joy of my life. So glad I made two great decisions, accept Christ and marry Lisa. You know, that's just awesome and um, couldn't imagine being married to anyone else and God's been faithful through the years and that is the reason why we're still married the reason why we're still happy the reason why we're still sane. (laughs) is because of God's faithfulness and she's put up with a lot uh, from a lot of uh, stuff but she's remained faithful and we have remained faithful to one another is just by God's grace it is his faithfulness Working in us, so I encourage you uh, with everything I have. You're married; make that marriage work. Is it going to have some ups and downs? I guarantee it. But God is faithful. God is faithful, and uh, you too can get to that uh, 20 marker, 30 marker, four wherever, whatever's in front of you. You can get there and just keep going. And God is faithful. And there will be times when um, you think, well, can, can we make this? Can we do this? Is this going to work? I say yes, because God is faithful. There were two things that uh, Lisa and I did, for a little last, last word on this, two things that Lisa and I did before we were married. One is we made a decision that Christ would be the center of our lives individually and therefore the center of our marriage. And the second thing we determined was that divorce is not an option. We just took it off the table. So we went into it realizing whatever happens, we're going to have to work it out because we're not going to get divorced. Um, she asked me if, if murder was still on the table. And <laughs> I knew that was a problem. We had to work some things out. God is faithful. Well, uh, okay, let's transition. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Uh, did you enjoy the man band today? That was, that was awesome, right? Great. Um, Want we'll to also uh, ask us to pray for Tammy Smith. Her mother uh, has been called in hospice for Tammy Smith's mother, and so let's pray for the Gary and Tammy and, and her mother uh, this week. Uh, let's jump into what we're going to be uh, talking about today, and. Uh, Read from Second uh, uh, Peter chapter one. Thank you, Jim, for doing that. We are going to talk today about mission blessing. Mission blessing. As followers of Christ, we are called to be on mission. We do not meander through life. We don't just kind of walk around saying, oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen and whatever happens, okay. But we we set a course, and that is to follow Christ. And we're on mission to follow Him. And in following Him, we are on mission to be like Him. To be like Him. Therefore, liking what He likes, hating what He hates, doing what what we saw him do, and he has instructed us in his word to do, we are called to be on mission with our lives and our activities. That is where the greatest fulfillment and blessing and encouragement comes from because we find that we are participating in the very plan that God has for us. And so as we're on mission... We must understand that that mission is a mission of blessing. Now, some of us may own our own business. Some may become the CEO of a business. Some may never reach those type of heights. Some are in education, the education. Some are in medical. Some are in sports. There's all kinds of different things that we do. But as we're on mission with Christ, He he reveals to us His plan. And that plan is blessing. That plan is not only that He would bless us, but today we're going to talk about how we are called to bless others. Our mission is to bless and therefore be a blessing. So our mission is mission blessing. Is God a blesser or is He not? Does He bless people? Does He call us to bless people? Well, what we're going to do right now is run through several scriptures. You don't need to look them up. We've got them on the, on the screens for you because we're going to go right after another. Let's find out from the very first portion of scripture in the book of Genesis how God determines and shows us that he is all about blessing. He's all about lifting and encouraging and helping and not about putting down and all of that, but he's about blessing. Blessing. So what he said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 128, God blessed them. Isn't that great? God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He says, I'm blessing you, and then I'm calling you to be a blessing. He had created them uniquely other uh, unlike any other creature and he says I want you to bless this whole earth by subduing and taking dominion I've given you a leadership position and you'll be a blessing to the entire planet all creation if you'll follow my path my plan for your life he blessed them and then he said go be a blessing and then Abraham comes along in Genesis 12, 2, he says, I will make you, Abraham, a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He says, I bless you, and I'm calling you to be a blessing. And again, in Genesis eighteen eighteen, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Then we see in Genesis, Joseph, Joseph being that young brother, Joseph sold into slavery, Joseph put into prison, and then God highly exalted him in Egypt. And then Joseph has this meeting with his brothers that sold him into slavery and almost killed him. And he has this meeting with him, and this is what he says. He said, "'God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth.'" And to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph was sent down to Egypt in a lot of turmoil and a lot of difficulty, but he was sent there to be a blessing, to preserve life, to be a blessing to Egypt and to Israel. David wrote this in Psalm 37 23 through 27. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, or their children begging bread. They are always generous, and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. David says, man, the Lord upholds us. He says, I've I've lived life, I've been been young, now I'm old. Never seen the righteous forsaken. He said, the people who follow God are generous and they lend freely and their children see that example and their children see what godliness is like and what blessing is like and they in turn become blessing as well. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10 in verses seven and eight. He says, and as you go, he's speaking to his disciples, as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick cleanse the leper raise the dead cast out demons freely you have received now freely give he did not tell his disciples go tell everybody what their problems are go tell everybody how bad they are go tell everybody they really are horrible he didn't say that he said go and bless them if they're sick heal them if they're they're oppressed by demons set them free Things are happening in their life, help them, bless them. He said, freely you have received these blessings, now freely give them. Again in Luke 6, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. He's saying, just because someone treats you bad, you don't retaliate in like manner He says, but bless them, pray for them, love them, do something nice for them. Just because they're not acting godly doesn't mean you start acting ungodly, but act in God's nature in all situations. Gives us that encouragement and that command. Paul writes this to the Ephesian church in chapter one Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places in Christ. Paul says to the Ephesians, he's already blessed us. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We read in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need. And so if God is a God of blessing, and he's called us to be those who bless... And he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Let's ask the million-dollar question. Why don't we act more like Jesus? You okay? We're talking about me first. Aren't there some days when you go, I did good. I acted like Jesus today. That was good. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, there's some days like that. And then there's some days when you go, do I even know God? You know, it's like... What, what just happened there? And we, and we see this struggle because there are times when we like, we got it right, man. We're just, we're on point, on mission. And there are other times when we go, what is the mission? I forgot about the mission. I forgot about blessing, and instead I, re, I retaliated or whatever. Yeah, because the Bible tells us that if we'll walk in step with the Spirit, will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And we see this struggle between God's plan for our life, walking in step with the spirit of blessing, the Holy Spirit of blessing, and then fulfilling our flesh or living life out of our fleshly desires, that struggle that's within us. And if we feed our flesh, our flesh gets stronger. If we feed The Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit into our lives and open up that door more and more. Well, we become more in stuff with the Spirit. We struggle with that and we deal with this. But I think that 2 Peter chapter 1 really gives us some real keys to know how we can be better blessers instead of those who would retaliate. In a fleshly manner. How many of you would say, you know what? I'm in for that. I want to be a blesser. I want to be one who blesses. Anybody? 16 people? Great. All right. Oh, more? Okay, great. We want to bless. And so how do we do that? Well, first, the first thing is found in verse number three: we've got to have an increasing knowledge of God. An increasing knowledge of God. In other words, we know God. But we know him to varying levels. If you just become a Christian six months ago, I I would just kind of submit you have a knowledge of God. But in six years from now, you will know him more. And 40 years from now, you'll know him more. You'll know him in a deeper level, in a broader level. When Lisa and I first got married, we dated for three years. I thought I knew the woman. Then we got married. And I was like, who is this person? She was thinking, this guy's not Prince Charming like I thought he was. Yeah, but so we, we were getting to know each other, and we make that leap to get married. And, and then we're like, whoa, I, I didn't know this, and I didn't know that. And she was like, I didn't know he did that. And I didn't know that was going to happen. And, and what? And you work it out. In the same way with God, we meet him and we, we experience him and we know him to a level. But as Christians, we're called to follow Christ, not simply study him, but follow him. And that following brings us an increased knowledge of God. And without that, we will still revert back to that fleshly nature, that, that old way of doing things. But in our knowledge must always, always increase, increase knowledge of God. And that's why we can come to him and say, okay, God, here, I've got this situation. What, what do you say about that? What, how am I supposed to react to this situation? And God begins to reveal through his word. He begins to reveal to us by his spirit. He has another brother or sister in Christ come along and give us a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, a word of encouragement. And we go, oh, now I got it. Okay, wonderful. All right. And we are, our knowledge is always increasing of God. Our knowledge of God is always increasing. But the second thing there is found in verse number four, the first part. We have God's promises, the great promises of God. He's given us promises that says, I want you to be a blessing, and I promise that the good work that I began in you, I'm going to complete it. I'm going to keep going because I've promised to never leave you. I've promised never to forsake you. I have promised to continue my work inside of you so that you will fulfill the plan that I have for your life. We have these great, powerful promises from God, and he starts off by saying, through these... God's given us these promises. Through what? What preceded that? The glory and goodness. God's glory and goodness are are how we receive those promises from God. The word glory talks about his majesty and his perfection. The word goodness talks about his power. And so God's majestic perfection and the power thereof bring us these promises. These promises that say... I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to fill you. I'm going to cause you to be a blessing. He has promised us to bless us and to cause us to be a blessing. And we need never fall short and only want half of that. Oh, God, bless me. Bless me. Bless me. It's great to pray God blesses you. But if we'll go to maturity and say, God, bless me so that I can be a blessing. God, bless me so I can pour it out on others. God, bless me so I can give to other people. Then we know we're walking in step with the Spirit. These promises are great. That talks about a price that's held in honor. The promises of God are valuable. They're they're like choice diamonds and gold and silver. They're not to be um, handled loosely. They're not to be handled like common stuff, like a promises, promises, promises. We live in a day when promises don't mean much. But I submit to you today, God's word is filled with promises to the believer, and God is going to fulfill every one of them. He doesn't just speak loosely. When he speaks, it is out of his nature of perfection. And these promises are out of that majestic, perfect, perfect nature, and they have great power. And so we take God's promises. Now, what do we got to make sure of here? is that they're actually promises from God. There are sometimes, and I'm not I'm, I be, being a pastor and a preacher, I don't want to throw preachers under the bus, okay? That would not be wise. But there are some times when someone is trying to help us, and many times very sincere, but they might tell us something like, boy, if you become a Christian, every day of your life is going to be great and amazing, and you're going to smile and be blessed, and you're going to be happy every day of your life. I don't know what Bible that guy's reading, but not the Holy Bible. Every day was not great for Jesus. It wasn't great for the prophets. It's not great for us. Not great for the disciples. There's going to be ups and downs. But God didn't promise that every day would be wonderful. He said, I'll be with you. He said, I'll work through you and in you. Times when... We hear things that are we're told are promises but we've got to get into God's word and say what are the promises of God and know that God will fulfill his promises. The third part here that we find is in verse number 4 also the second part. We get to participate with God. Man, this is the this is the beauty of what the apostle Peter is saying here through the Holy Spirit. We get to participate in with God. That's powerful. All of a sudden, we, we get a, a force and a strength and a, a life that is not from us. It is not us, but it is placed within us, and we get to participate with God in being a blessing. That's just mind-blowing that God, in, in all the expanse of this universe and the universes beyond, looks at this little third rock from the sun, and he sees his little answer on the ground. He goes, I'm going to put my spirit in them. Those are my chosen people. He says, I'm going to help cause them to participate with me to be a blessing to the whole world. And that's what he's called us to do. We're called to be a participant with God, which means a partaker or sharer. We we are a partaker. We take in the nature of God and we share with God his nature. He gives that nature to us. But what does that word nature mean? Now I'm going to read you the definition out of the Greek. It's kind of, it's kind of $50 definition here, so hang in there, okay? Here's, here's what that word nature means. If we participate with his nature, what is it? What are we talking about? It says the sum of innate properties and powers by which one person differs from others. I'll read it again. That word nature the sum of innate properties and powers by which one person differs from others. I think if we were to to use the the initials DNA, I think we'd get the picture because every person in here has a different DNA. Every person on the planet has a different DNA. And God is different than me and you. God is different. And yet he says we participate, we are partakers of his divine nature. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit of God is given to us as followers of Christ, and we get to participate with God in being a blessing. And as I was really wrestling with this, I, I thought in my mind, it's something that I don't think is a perfect illustration, but go with me. I think it'll work. Um, I don't, I would, when I eat a salad, I like balsamic vinaigrette dressing. That's my choice of dressing. I like it. But one thing I've learned about that oil and vinegar dressings, they got to be stirred or shaken or something. You, you don't just take the bottle that's been there on the, in the refrigerator for a month and go, hey, I'm just going to pour. You better shake it up. you got to do something. And I thought, is that maybe that's a great illustration of us participating in, in the nature of God. Because I don't know about you, but I, still, I know there's still some Chris Stevens around, and sometimes I don't act like Jesus. Maybe you're like that too. We have great days and not so great days, right? And I look at that and I say, "You know what? That vinegar part, I would say that would be the Chris Stevens part cuz a little bitter, got some edge, you know? Y'all see me on Sunday morning, I'm really nice on Sunday morning. <laughs> Sometimes Tuesday afternoons are a little foggy, you know? So if so if the the I'd say the vinegar is Chris. The oil is the Holy Spirit. And he pours himself into us. Now here's the thing. we got to be stirred up. we got to be mixed up. And he wants to infiltrate into all the areas and crevices and crannies and closets of our life. But the deal is, sometimes we're like, yeah, God, I'm going to keep this closet over here to myself. I'm going to keep this little avenue, this little section over here to myself. You can kind of mix up with the rest of me, but I'm going to keep this. And God's going, well, I'm going to keep shaking. I'm going to keep shaking. Those hinges on that door are going to begin to rattle. Things are going to begin to change because I want to get in there. But you got to open up the door for him. Or a problem is sometimes when we just you know, we go dormant. You know, somebody hurts our feelings. Somebody does something wrong. Says, and we just go, Well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm just going to sit here, though. I'm not going to get involved not going to do anything I'm I'm a Christian I'm just going to go dormant okay I'm not saying nobody's not a Christian if you go dormant I'm just saying the oil and the vinegar do what there's a distinction isn't there And so God comes along and says, well, I don't like that distinction. I want to be mixed up into everything that you're doing and all that you are. I want to infiltrate and you can participate with my nature in those areas where I've called you to be a blessing. Your flesh doesn't want to be a blessing, but I want you to be a blessing. And so what does he do? He comes along and shakes us up by saying, hey, we need help in Kids Church. Hey, we need help with greeters. Hey, we need help with our schools. Hey, we need help with prayer. Hey, we need help. God's trying to stir us up to love and good works. He's trying to go, hey, I want you to fan into flame that gift that I've given you. Paul writes to Timothy. He says, I'm going to kind of shake some things up. Say, well, I I don't know how to teach the Bible. That's why people write curriculum. You know, one of the best ways to learn the Bible is to get busy trying to teach it. Hello. You still there? One of the greatest ways, because it kind of forces you to study the Word. And so God says, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity to bless somebody. They're little four-year-olds or 40-year-olds or whatever's out there. Hey, I want to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to bless someone. I want to ask you to get involved in this and get involved here. He's shaking us up. He goes, it's out of my comfort zone. Exactly. Shake it up. Let his nature infiltrate all the areas of our life, and that way we are a blessing no matter where we go. But if we sit dormant, if we just kind of sit and go, I'm, I'm, I'm a good enough Christian, ah, that's the problem. And so God comes along and shakes us up. Sometimes the shakeup is a trial. Sometimes it's a real full-on difficulty. It's not a challenge to get involved in something. It's a matter of survival. Man, things are just falling apart and going crazy. That's why the book of James tells us consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, let patience have its perfect work, that you can be complete, fully mature, fully being a blessing to other people. And so God's called us to be this blessing. We get to be like God, who is the blesser, because we're participating with him. But all this comes about because the Holy Spirit enters into our life. And how does that even happen? When does that happen? Well, it happens, first off, when we come to Christ and say, God, I, I'm, I've been trying to be a good person. I've been trying to live by what you tell me to live by. But, man, this is, I'm, I can't, I, I'm not. And that's the whole point of Christianity is that we can't live up to God's standard. Now, you might be able to live up to my standard. I might be able to live up to your standard, but that's not the deal. The deal is his standard. And when we look at our lives and the standard of God, his standard is way up here, and our lives are somewhere fluctuating here. We come to him and say, God, I I can't live up to your standard. I'm so thankful in this verse, the apostle Peter didn't say, I tell you what, God wants you to be a blessing, and you go do it. You better be good. You better be a good blesser. He doesn't do that. He says we get to participate with the divine nature. And so we need God in our lives. We can't just go, I'm going to be a blessing, and then one day when I get to heaven, I'll show God how great I was. Well, there's going to be a problem on that day, you know. But here's the deal. Christ went to the cross to pay the price for our sin, so that we could be forgiven of everything we've done wrong and that God would take out of us that nature that that just longs for sin and he would put within us his nature, his spirit. And so, therefore, we act differently. Are we perfect? No. Are we still growing? Yes. Do we still have improvement? Until the day we die. God says, I want you to participate. I'm going to put me in you, and we're going to keep living life just shaking up. We're just going to keep shaking it up because that's how I infiltrate all of you to be a blessing to all that you are around. But it starts at the point of salvation. We come to God and say, God, I can't, can't do it. Lord, you please forgive me. And would you come to me and fill me? Would you come to me and give me that salvation and give me your spirit because I'm going to be a follower of you, Christ. I'm going to to follow you. And all of a sudden in that moment, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a witness or bears witness or connects with our spirit that we're a child of God. The Holy Spirit, there's a connection there with our spirit that says, all right, this happened. It's not a matter of praying a prayer. It's not a matter of walking down front. It's not a matter of getting dunked in water. It's a matter of the Holy Spirit connecting with our spirit in that moment and saying, all right, I got you. Then we belong to God, and his spirit is within us. And from that point on, he says, I'm going to make you a blesser. I'm going to make you a better blesser. I'm going to make you a better, 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 better blesser because your whole life is about blessing. We can't do it by ourselves, but we can by submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit. Is God in the middle of shaking you right now? Is God in the middle of a, of a trial that's getting... He said, hey, you've been, you've been dormant. I'm shaking you up. Or is it a matter of saying, hey, God's challenged me to, to bless this person. God's challenged me to help. This. God's challenged me to get involved in this. And he's shaking you up. Don't sit dormant. Don't sit back. Don't don't pull back. Embrace what God is doing because then you're going to be a blessing. Amen? God's called us to be a blessing. How, how can we be blessing? Well... Pay, pay for somebody's lunch. Pay for somebody's coffee. Buy somebody a Bible. Get involved in a mentoring program. Go into high schools or middle schools, elementary schools and mentor a student. Take somebody out to eat. Give somebody encouraging words. Just look at somebody and say, you look amazing today. Just go up to a total stranger and just go, you know what? Um, uh, I'm a Christian and I pray. Is there anything I pray with you about? We're, just, we're here to be a blessing. We're here to be a blessing. Jeff Nader recently uh, gave me a book. It's called Holy Moments. And I just finished it. It took me, took me a while, not because it's big, because I had other books to read, but I got it and I read it. It's a great book. And we're going to try and get everybody in the church a copy of this, okay? So hang in there. We may, may have them by next Sunday. I don't know. But this is a book about holy moments, and the author of this, is that's what he's talking about, blessing people with a holy moment where you just pay for some of these coffee. You ask somebody, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? You just engage with them and bless them, and these simple acts of blessing someone can turn into these holy moments where all of a sudden you realize that God puts you in that place at that time to talk to that person because they are absolutely hanging by a thread. And then you go, this is a holy moment, and all I did was say, can I pray for you? That's blessing people. That's blessing people. And we're called to be a blessing. I know Hope Crossings. We're already doing this, we're already engaged. My encouragement is that we got to just keep going. Just keep going. And, do, and let's take it to a greater level. Because this community is in desperate need of the body of Christ, Hope Crossings and other churches, of saying, let's go get them. Let's go bless this community. Let's not beat people over the head with the Bible telling them what they're doing wrong. Let's just say, God wants to bless you. How can I help? God wants to encourage you. How can I help? God wants everything for you. God wants to bless you with all of his goodness. How can I help? And just be a blessing. You in for that? Hey, let's take a moment and pray, okay? Okay.